welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon, and it is Wednesday. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's just Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. It is. Um, and I'm with lovely producer <laughs> Lou Blasey. How are you this morning? Very good. That's good. It's it's a wonderful day, but it's a little overcast today, so it's a little cooler. Yep. It's been really bloody hot. We could use it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It's so gorgeous I'll night last the hot night. Though. Over the snow. Yep. Oh yeah. Any day. Absolutely. And it feels like we just had snow like three weeks ago. So, <laughs> so I'm very happy about this. It's um, a gorgeous night last night. It was. It good was night to nice. sit out. Yeah. It was very pretty. Well, you're up in an area too, probably where you don't get a lot of um, mosquitoes. Uh, well, we do get our share, but it's usually breezy, so right. they get blown around. On the water. Yeah. See, I'm on the water, but mine's a a wetlands. <laughs> oh yeah. See that's. <laughs> so. I, Suboptimal. I spray for the mosquitoes, I have visitors. Yes. So unless there's a breeze and it's a lot cooler, they love to visit. But lest you get too down about it, out there we have greenheads. Oh, yeah, I'm all set. I'd yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I would much rather those. So anyway. Those things are um, vicious. So did you have a good weekend? I had a good weekend, yes. It was a nice weekend. Yes. I was very excited. I had. To, I wanted to tell you and all the listeners about a really cool thing. Um, I was doing uh, some a new project that I'm working on that I won't be going into yet on the show. But I was I was on inflatable boats this weekend on the Merrimack River, and they're these very small, like the pont, not the pontoon the, boats. No, but they're they're small, like really low lying, flat. I guess they're kind of pontoony looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are, but they're and they're small. They're for two people essentially. You can put a third person on, but to actually do racing because it's actually inflatable yeah. boat racing. So it's IBRUS, and it's um, they're they are fast. They're go fast boats, and yeah. uh, and I I wasn't I was excited because part of the project I'm doing includes those. So I was doing a tryout on them, and uh, so if everyone out there has never done this as an experience, it's quite something. So I encourage people to go to. Uh, inflatable boat racing or IBRUS and and look up what it is it's quite fun and and uh, there's an athletic side to it so you can go out and just have fun and own a boat and do your thing with it but um, there's actual racing that happens on these and you have to kind of have some serious strength for it so it goes 45 50 miles an hour in these little boats and and you got to stay in the boat and you have to stay in the boat job one my biggest fear was you know flying out of the boat yeah (laughs) and then you know drowning of course i had a life jacket on but you know it's like (laughs) being catapulted off this thing um but uh it's really cool because you get to uh use your athletic strength that i never in a million years thought oh i'm gonna go on this boat and it's gonna be fast and you actually it you're the co-pilot so there's only two people the person that's the secondary that's not driving the boat you're actually the steerer so you have the total control of this thing it's so crazy it's so much fun so and, wait a second there's a person okay. driving the boat and a person steering the boat those yes. are two different so, people so you steer the boat with your body okay so so you've got this oh my god wow. i know <laughs> right <laughs> so you've got this you know little pontoon we'll call it a little pontoon boat um and, and, you know, like the U.S. Navy uses them and, yeah. and, and inflatable boat company has gotten them more into it because it's, they're fast. And, um, and so in the back is the engine and then, the, you know, the, the pilot sits, you know, on yep. their tush and is basically doing the turning and, right. you know, with the, the motor. But you as the co-pilot, your body, you use your body in different positions to actually, you know, turn to the left or turn to the right. Now I happen to be sort of short, shorter yeah. than the than the bone. So 
to turn right and probably go into way more detail, but it was so much fun. I have to explain yep. it. So to turn right, you have to push your feet in these stirrups and you have to push your left foot hard and push yourself back into it and lean over the boat on the backside. Well, oh. I'm short enough not to have the length, but enough to push just a little bit. Yep. So it makes the right turn, but I am able to do the left turn really easily because gymnastics and flexible yep. you lean all the way forward and grab the front um stirrups and the tight turns of the left oh my god this thing is like you have to have hand strength arm strength core strength i mean yep. you know you would never think to get on a boat just to have a little fun and whatever in the water you'd have to have all that oh it was so much where fun. were you on the merrimack um just on well we got in trouble a little bit because we we're going fast and doing things that yeah we, you know um but we were we boat launched in on the Lowell side okay. first, and then we went around to the Chelmsford side. And so above the dam. You what? Above the dam. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in between the Tingsboro Bridge and yep. the Rourke Bridge, mm -hmm. sort of in between that space. So um, that's pretty – and I actually had never gone up that far on the river. It's actually huge. I didn't yep. realize, you yeah. know, I mean, perspective-wise, it's actually a really great spot to go really fast and really far yeah. on that so it was so much fun so i highly <laughs> encourage if anyone so is getting into boat racing in now sport, inflatable what? boat racing are you getting into inflatable boat racing now? yeah it's really cool and it's i mean or or even owning one to have fun i know there are a couple of people that were there that had just bought one of the inflatable boats just to have fun but you know just to go fast boats but yep. now there's a big sport coming up in and i don't know if it's just coming up i think it's been around a while i have to do a little bit more research i know it's been around at least for a few years but Wow, it's quite something. And <laughs> so hence the reason why I came in this morning and I hence. said, Lou. Yes. Lou, do I look like I have a sunburn on my face? Because I was out on the water this weekend without any sunblock on because I didn't realize I was going to be doing that to the extent I was. But it was so worth it. Yep. <laughs> it was so much fun. So very exciting. I actually was going so fast. And I know this is probably really embarrassing, but I don't care. I was going so fast on a turn. I drooled. <laughs> <laughs> It was so much fun. Yeah. So anyway, so it's, it is part of a project that I will talk about down the line here, um, but it's exciting and it's, but it's a part of an athletic project that's coming in the fall. And, uh, but if you are interested in doing any kind of fun summer sport that actually practices social distancing, because you're only two people on the boat and whatever, certainly, you know, go to look up the... Yeah, but you two aren't social distancing. The, what? You two aren't social distancing. Well, we are, because <laughs> the boat, where you are in the boat, there's actually about six enough feet. space. I yeah. mean, it's really, it's it's weird. You're not, like, close to each other at all. You're, like, because you have to disperse okay. across the front of the boat and on the side, so... So is what you had yesterday, was it the same as what they normally sell, or was it a racing boat? Was it's it the same as what they sell. So yeah. inflatable boats are those. That particular brand for racing is the one that you buy for, like, even if you just want it to have for yeah. fun. Okay. So okay. It's the same. It's the brand. So it's like so, stock racing. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's the inflatable it's boat like stock division. Race car, right, yeah. race car, drift car. It's the, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Yep. It's really cool. So. Yeah. So much fun! I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you out there. <laughs> it will be so much fun. You'll. It would be exhilarated. It was probably one of the best things I've done since probably a roller coaster. Even better if you like roller coasters. In another life, I actually fished competitively. Oh, very cool! Ba you know, bass fishing. Yep. And on the I bass don't think boats, those go fa fast though, right? Oh, they go incredibly fast. Oh, they do. Yeah. In fact, that we shows you how much I know about bass fishing. We were trying trying to come back, make a way in on the Charles one year, mm -hmm. and we were late. For the weigh-in, and it was going. The boat was going fast. First of all, that boat, the way they work, you've got when you're going fast, you get about six inches of rudder in the water, and that's about it. The whole boat kind of levitates, 
And I had a tackle box, and I know how much it weighed because there's a weight limit on them. It was a 12-pound tackle box, and it was sitting in the seat beside us, and it started levitating. That's how fast we were going. Oh, my gosh. thing was levitating. See, that's fun. Yep. No, that's not. That wasn't fun. You what? (laughs) That wasn't fun. Oh. That was scary. Yeah. Well, so another story, but I won't go into it today because... I won't, because I don't want to get into the whole story of embarrassing myself with my husband. But we were out on the Winnipesaukee River for the first time um, by ourselves. Um, let's say that we knew it was large. But I have a recommendation for Winnipesaukee. All the islands should be marked with IDs that this is, you know, Pine oh. Island, Bear yeah. Island. Because so before you, can figure you know out where it, you are. you're in Timbuktu yeah. Island. Yeah. And you're, you know, an hour and a half away from your marina. And yeah. So. Yeah, that's a story for a different time. But, yeah, we got lost. And I was a Navy man. <laughs> and I still got lost. And I was well, like, I looked at it at one point. I'm like, really? So, What I'll does a Navy guy story. know about rivers? <laughs> <laughs> right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, so that leads me into today's topic, or at least the start of a topic, is um, living with intention. Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit or a lot about last week. What was our topic last week? Uh, what is your why? What is your why? Yeah. So, um that generated tons of questions. I was really excited about people that gave feedback last week um, to me about, well, what goes into finding your why? And so I've really broken it down a ton this week for yep. people, okay. you know, Excellent. Yeah. the how, the what, and why, and how do you get to the why, and what if you don't know your why? And so um, one of the highlights that came out from a couple of clients I was talking about it with were um, finding a way to live with intention. How do you do that? You know, so you know, the boat racing, exhilarating. It's like, how do you get to a why that way? Well, live with intention. And that's Mm -hmm. being present, being mindful, and, you know, maybe sometimes adjusting some of your expectations so that you live reasonably. You know, there's the three R's, reasonable, rational, realistic. So you're having all those pieces go to it. So how do you live with intention? It's always individual to the person, Mm -hmm. unique to the person. Each person's going to have something unique because everyone always looks for that cookie cutter like, tell me the answer, yeah. you know? And then yeah. for, I had a client yesterday leave the office and looked at me and said, I hate why. Because <laughs> I kept saying, and why, and why? She's like, yeah. I hate why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you guys know, are good at that. <laughs> beating, beating the dead horse, or beating yeah. the horse into the ground or whatever phrase you want to use. Right. Yeah. And I, when I said to her, well, the better I could ask you, you know, how does it make you feel? Instead, she says, no, I'll take why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the, so the intentional living and, you know, and there's a lot of cliche and there's a lot of, you know, talk about that. I know we've talked a little bit about it. You know, you do another show with another doc that talks probably a lot about mindfulness and why and all yeah. those things. Um, but there's, there's something to be said for living with intention and some people have to work really hard at it because it's a new concept or it's just you know i mean by and large people that we see on a day-to-day basis you know people are just kind of going through their lives and they don't really live with with intention which means being really present and aware of sights sounds taste touch smell so are you talking about an overall intention or are you talking about what you're dealing with at that moment both both so yeah. so when I'm when I'm asking someone to really focus on and teaching the initial living with intention of the day, mm-hmm. right? We'll take with the day. Yep. Is when you wake up, it's you know, backing it down is finding finding the one thing about the day that you really want to focus on. So I start people with a sense, like spend all today, and you can do this too, like spend all of the rest of today or tomorrow when you want to start fresh, just listening. You're gonna do all your other senses because they do it automatically, but just really pay attention yep. more to 
what you hear and then report back to yourself or whoever, me or someone, um, the next day about what that experience was like. It Nine times out of 10, even I would say 10 times out of 10, most people who really do the practice of that will come back and say, oh my gosh, I heard way more than I ever even realized I was hearing. So when I do the exercise for five or 10 minutes in like my office or in a classroom with, with a whole group of students, and I just say, okay, we're gonna take five minutes and just listen to the sounds in the room, or we're just gonna look around and see things that we haven't seen before, or we're gonna smell things. Um, all of a sudden, when you go right to that sense and be selective and compartmentalized, it opens up a whole new world of opportunities of experience which people miss out on by just going through, you know, you're being bombarded all the time environmentally. You're being in, you yeah, know, because that media. that sense is getting a higher percentage of your focus. Right. Yeah. Right. So so living with the intention of the day, just to start, right, brings you to the global living with intention. So if you're living with the intention of the day and you start with senses and you do one a day, for instance, over five days, that's a great start. And and then having that experience and then then start the next week by, okay, today I'm going to live with intention of I'm going to be happy. So even when something creeps in that makes you unhappy, working really hard to, okay, I, my intention today is being happy. How do I be happy given that something's making me unhappy? Right. So it's really focusing only on the intention that you're stating to yourself, that you're putting out there in the world, in your mind, so that you're really present for it, which leads to that next piece is, Live with the intention, put it out there for yourself, and then be present. And that's really hard for people. It's like going to the mental machines instead of the free weights. <laughs> right. You're getting into yeah. something specific and practicing it specifically. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's super hard for people. And yeah. people get frustrated. You know, in, pract in my practice, people will come back. And most people will do the senses. Because senses, I, that's why I start with it. Because it's tangible. Smelling all day, new smells seeing something new oh my gosh you know i mean people will go by you know you've driven by places i do it too i'll be like is that always there yeah yeah, yeah. and and then it says you know established 1974 it's like nah it's been there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> been driving just, by it every day yeah. driven by it 25 times for the past 30 years you know whatever and it's like oh yeah it's yeah. still there so it's really being about that um mindfulness and saying oh wow so senses are really easy to start with so people have success out of the gate of being able to be mindful in that way they're important too because the senses are what compete for your attention right uh, you know all the senses whatever stimulates you through your sense through your right. sense organs that's what's stimulating for you that's what's competing for your attention the more you can harness them the more that you control them and be deliberate with them the freer your mind is right yeah right and and the senses and people you know, who do this kind of work on their own anyway, you know, know this, but for people that are new to this, um, it will, I hope it will resonate that when your senses are in motion, I mean, that's what creates your memories, your memory banks, your, you know, your hippocampus in the limbic yep. system, the emotional center of your brain and your amygdala and your hypothalamus, not so much the hypothalamus as the other two, but they give you the memory banks. So if you're, if you're seeing something from your occipital lobe in the back of your head for your eyes, or mm -hmm. you're hearing things through your temporal, or you're doing things that are through your, you know, olfactory bulb or whatever, those are creating memories. So if I say, you know, gee, Lou, tell me what your favorite smell from the holidays is, yeah. and you start thinking about yeah. it, you can actually generate the smell and then the feeling that comes with it. Like in reverse, if you walk into a room and I, like if I smell 
apple pie and cinnamon and pine and all that, all of a sudden I go right to Christmas yep. because it alerts and then it creates the emotional feeling that we get out of that. So, you know, people, so we'll go to the negative side for a second. When people come back from war, when the Afghanistan and, you know, when the um, Gulf War was going on, I got a, I was seeing a lot of people coming back from the Gulf, mm -hmm. their, their smell sense, their, their mindfulness space was anytime they could smell hot tar or something with an oil base in it oh, or, see, yep. or anything fire with that combination would trigger their trauma because it was going right to that space in their brain, right. triggering it for like fight and flight, uh, flashback, reliving the experience and all the trauma symptoms. So being present and being mindful and living with the intention of really trying to have a um, a sense of control, yeah. this goes back to that, right. over what's going on in your sensory bank gives you a sense of being able to really feel like, wow, I, I understand my, my body, my mind better, and then I can control my environment. It's an illusion of control uh, to some degree, but it also gives you a sense of like really being able to be in the environment present. Yeah. So you know there's no like risk, there's no um, fear, it's just it is. But isn't it, it is. less about controlling the environment than controlling your reaction to the environment, right? right? So it is internal as opposed to external. Yeah. And all of that makes sense because we're wired to use our sense organs to learn. Right. And the, from basic survival skills, you know, when you smell that, stay away from that, it's going to eat you. Right. You know, that type right. of thing. That's the basics. So we're hardwired to turn senses uh, st sense stimulus in the memories. Exactly. I did a ghost show once, and this woman was talking about how she uh, she walks around the house and she um, smells her father's pipe tobacco. Yeah. And that's how she knows he's around. And as well, she's thinking of her father, and that calls up the memory of the pipe tobacco. Smells are very powerful. Right. Right. Smells right. smells bring you back to a place. And and that's quickly. one of the first things that people will report is the smell association with the feeling that they have. Yep. And then it's and then it's typically auditory. The visual and the touch senses aren't as much unless it's really, really specific. Um, but definitely smell and hearing sounds, music. Music. Music is, music is a time an emotional machine. center yeah. for yeah. being, you know, living in the moment, present, and bringing you back to Takes you places. summers, yep. Christmases, um, trips, uh, you know, people, yep. things like that. It's it's so specific. And, and so that... So, I relate that to the experience of those pieces, um, they happen automatically. So if, the, if that happens, I use that as the example of that means you can train yourself to live with the intention of being super hypervigilant in a healthy way, productive way to be present in that moment of live with intention. I'm going to be really mindful today of yeah. listening to everything, really hearing everything around me. Tomorrow, I'm going to practice everything that's touched. What does that feel like? What's the texture? Well, how sensitive is it? Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it cool? You know, how close does it get with the breeze? Like, whatever the feeling yeah. sensorily is. Um, and but that's low-level, that's low-level half-step meditation. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Be because you get, and people know it nowadays, they have this place that they really love, right. whether it be a lake house or whether it be the beach or wherever right. it is. And it's because at that time, they drop everything else, right? And they're just paying attention to the sunset or the breezes or the right. smell or whatever it is that they're in that moment, and right. dropping all the noise that's constantly going on in their mind. 
Right. So yeah. and and so to that point, like the you call it like the low level, or it's like the first step into meditation. Because when a lot of times people will say, um, "I don't know how to meditate. I can't meditate. Yeah. I don't know how. I can't get there. I just don't go there." And when people go and do this exercise, when they come back, I say, "Now you've started meditating. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. the beginning. Yep. So that there's success with it because people have that." Mis, you know, the misguided no, misnomer of meditation is like hypnotic and you have to go into this place and empty your mind to a complete blank no. slate, which is impossible. You, it's right. not about emptying it to, you know, blank and being no thought because your mind doesn't stop like that. What it is, is is meditation at its core is about being able to really quiet the mind and be at peace, not at one or, you know, there's so many cliches yeah, that come right. with it that, you know, kind of, you know, get the whole, um, you know, coming from Vermont, people would be like the hippie thing going. But yeah, it's really, right. note the shirt today, right? Yeah. So I did it for peacefulness. Um, yeah, people but, roll their eyes at that. and They think yeah. it's incense and cross legs and stuff like that. Right. And that's not it's, what it is. And it's really not. Yeah. It's about being able to sit with yourself for five minutes and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to just sit with myself today and think about, okay, what's today going to be? Today, I'm going to pay attention to this thing. I'm going to pay attention to everything I hear today. Make sure that I'm really present and keep reminding myself of that. And with the goal in mind that I want to be happy or I want to be a good friend or I want to be, you know, whatever it is. So there's a peaceful of intent behind it. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to necessarily have that, but it's, it's, adds into it but then when you come back a week or two later and then you say okay now we're going to add in a little bit more of the meditative practice which is and i think i've talked to to you about this before on a different show is you know they have that calm app that's out that yep. has the commercial yep. when they put up the 30 second commercial with no words and it's just the countdown clock that says on top you know yep. sit in quiet for 30 seconds and it allows the 30 seconds every time it comes on i'm like okay yeah like, oh, yep. and it's actually what it does is it actually resets the brain in a way. If you can think of it like that, it actually relaxes the brain when you really stay present for that one moment. All of a sudden, when you open your eyes up or you, you come back to the room after the 30 seconds, it's like, oh, OK, because what it does is it calms the, the limbic center of the brain, the emotional center that's processing all the time, that's firing yep. off messages to your autonomic nervous system and everything that's moving and making everything go. And it settles it. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to jump right back up because if you don't no. practice it all the time. No, then... but this is like doing this is like doing mental reps. Yes. When you're sitting there during the day and you're focused on hearing things. Right. And you find yourself getting trailing off into something else and you remind yourself that's one rep of control. Right. And the more you do it, the better you get at it, the more you can do it, the longer right. you can do it. And that's why even, quote, unquote, unsuccessful meditation is worthwhile. Yes. Because every time your mind starts to run while you're meditating and you pull it back in, that's a rep. Right. That's, that's working towards getting it better. And it's all about right. controlling that. It's all, yes. about, uh, it's all about being able to look at that thought that strays and go, nope, not this time. And right, and it's and even it. So if it, you know, for people who really struggle with it, so using and I use the word capture, capture it over and over again. Keep capturing the thought. Keep capturing the the drift or the move away from where you want to be. Keep catching yourself in it. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you mention to people, even in the beginning, that they do that, they they start realizing that you know every other word, if it's a word, like oh, people yeah. use the word but all the time, and yep. I say you can't use the word but. You need to use and. Yep. Try that in your day. Everyone out there listening, try not to use the word 
but today. So mm -hmm. when you go to say yes, but, I call it the yes, but syndrome. <laughs> Lots of people have it, right? Yes. Yes, but that won't work. Or yes, but I can't do it. Yeah, and I say yes, and. Yeah. Or just and. It's, it's capturing that moment because what it does is it shifts the brain into a very different mindset that shifts you away from the I can't and the, I think we talked about last week, the I, I will try. There's no try, there's do. Right. There's no try. Try is implied that it's, try is like, I'm That's surrender. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's surrender. It's over. Yeah. I'm going to try. I'm trying. Mm, yeah. Trying while sitting is doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's do. And, and so that, even though people will say, oh, it's semantics. Semantics count because what happens linguistically, you know, language-wise in the brain, it creates a meaning again, a sensory meaning to the brain that has a memory piece that actually gives you the good feeling, the middle of the road feeling, or the bad feeling. Right. So if you're always doing yes, but, I know, but, that has a brain center that has that defeated, depressive, it, you know, the serotonin moves in a very different way, the, you know, the neurotransmitter for mood regulation than it does if you're like, yes, and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do part of that or, mm -hmm. you know, getting people to be capturing of it and then give realistic expectations. You know, that's why I said at the beginning, really adjusting sometimes and assessing your expectations. People will often go out in the world with, I'm living with intention. I'm living with purpose. <laughs> and their expectation is so over the top. It's going to change their life this afternoon. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden they come back to me and, and I get this all the time. It didn't work. And that's next week, right? Yeah. That, that's the next week. It didn't work. Yeah. It's, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. And it's a week later. So my question always is, how much did you try? A couple times. A couple times. Yeah. And I go, go back and do it again. And yeah. then I do the whole thing about it takes babies 5,000 steps to get their first step. Yep. So we must do more than just a couple times and people start getting it and they because they want to if there's no want that's the other piece if there's no want because people want you to do it for them right um most of my clients i'm very very blessed that they want to do so i i get after the first time of it didn't work yeah. i usually get oh i have to do blah 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 x y and z but i want to see where the effort comes in as a person to see where their motivated is yeah. motivation is or not so it's super diagnostic in, in a good way for me to see if someone comes back and goes, yeah, that didn't work. So we're, now give me something new. We're back to the basic, um, the basic need, which is to, un I call it the observer position. Yep. It's, it's the basic need is to separate yourself from your mind because mm -hmm. your mind is there to generate threats. Right. That, that's its job. Right. And, and if fight or flight, fight or flight, fight yeah, or flight. If you're living in your mind, that's what your life is. Right. But once you realize that you're not living in your mind and you can sit back and observe the mind and, right. you, and then you become aware of that whole process and understand that you're separate from it. Right. You're, not, you're not it. You're separate from it. I yes. mean, this is the basic need, right? Right. You know, Ex body, and, mind, intellect. And, and people get confused by that. And it's not because people are not smart. It's just that's such a foreign concept. It is a foreign, yeah. Um, to mo most people, and I don't say all, but most, because, you know, and the trend is much more about the mind-body connection, but people, when you ask them what that is, uh, many times I get, I don't really know, but I know that 
Yeah. That's it's you know it's the cliche thing to say. It's like well, it's connected. What you those structures in the brain, those ones I'm talking about, the you know the amygdala, the hippocampus, the hypothalamus, they drive a lot of what happens in your body yep. from emotion and what happens in your body. So you say you know you touch something and it's hot, that immediately sends to the hypothalamus hot, and then you get an emotional experience. Don't touch the stove. I mean that's right. the whole theory about baby touches the stove. They're gonna learn because it immediately connects that experience. There's the mind body exchange. Um, so, but people don't see that until you really put them out into that experience base, connect it for someone individually for their own unique experience of like, how would that connect? Why does your body, why do you wake up every morning? I have a client that wakes up every morning without fail with a stomach ache. Yeah. Their doctor, their primary care has been telling them that it's, it's just lactose intolerance. We know that this client together, we thinking mean, of our buddy Jeff now knows that this person <laughs> isn't lactose intolerant because one, they don't eat any lactose because yep. this doctor had told them a while ago that he went back to the doctor and said, listen, I'm not, there's no dairy, there's no whatever. And, and I kept saying, it's anxiety in the morning. You're waking up with anxiety. And now we finally, after six months, he's actually said, I'm probably going to need to switch doctors because I'm not being heard for that piece of it because it is anxiety because we put in a couple of techniques around this mindfulness piece and he can get it under control within like five or six minutes after being up now. Yeah. But it's not related to food. It's not, re it's just anxiety buildup and it's this connection of something that's happened in the morning. He gets riled up. It's not even anything specific. It's just, it's the start of the day and putting it into play of what's going to happen, that fear generation and all that is giving him a GI issue and immediately it was, oh, you must be lactose intolerant, <laughs> right? So it's, it's now he understands the connection between, you know, and we ruled it out. All, and, and just for people that are listening, all medical conditions sure. should be ruled out yeah. first, which we always do. I always make sure that, you know, if someone comes with something that could possibly be medical, we always get that all that covered, blood work, everything to make sure. And then at the end of the day, if it comes back and everything's clear, we go with the we go with all the psychological techniques to make sure we get it into control. Um, usually, you can tell what's going on in that way, is especially because I do the integrative medicine, so I can sort of tell yep. even if they're going through the medical stuff that it can be adjusted no matter what. Um, but that's super important once a person realizes, oh, I have a little control over this. Um, yep. But people are so easy to go off to the medical diagnoses and, and think, oh, I can take something for that. I can take something from that, you know, or, you know, right away, Pepsid. Just keep eating Pepsid, but the stomach ache is still there in the morning. Why? You know, so why is the Pepsid not working if that's what it is? And really exploring those pieces right. because it's not touching the right part of the brain that talks to the body that talks to the brain. And, you know, people that are out there in the world don't have to know all that information per se, but it's good for them to know from someone like me that's what's going on because it makes a person feel more validated, maybe not as crazy sometimes because they feel, you know, I have people that come back from some of their doctor's office visits. Sometimes I'm like, I think my doctor thinks I'm crazy. Yep. And I'm like, well, no, you're not crazy. But this is, you know, and, and so many doctors are so good now about really being more connected into mental health right. wellness. Yep. So that's been a plus, especially probably in the last 15 years, really people are much more connected to, Oh, 
I'll give your, you know, your provider a call to talk about that or something like that because they're just like, oh, really? You think so? And then all of a sudden it comes out. You know, they're very good about their little checklist about, oh, are you depressed? And those are so face value that, you know, someone could look, you know, severely depressed just because they're having a bad day right. versus what's really going on. So um, the mind-body connection piece for like someone like that client I just said is super important because it changes their whole life experience of all of a sudden, oh, I don't have to wake up and worry that... I've got, he thought, I have a tumor. Right. I didn't have a tumor. Yeah. He was dying of cancer. He's internally bleeding. None of that was going on. So It's about vetting thoughts. It's right. about knowing what's real and what's right. not. And not that I'm practicing outside of the office here. But I, I have a friend, a broadcast partner, who's about 15 years younger than me, and he's very much like me and you know, a ruminator and working through stuff. And I was trying to explain the concept to him. And because I've done a lot of this work, I've looked into a lot of this work, and I said, your mind is generating a movie. You go to the movie theater, and you sit in the seats, and you get into the movie. Yeah. And that's the way most people live. But the fact of the matter is it's a movie. Try getting yourself out of the movie and into the theater seat. Right. Watching your mind work. Right. Because your mind is generating all, all your mind is, it's a, it's a, it's a machine that takes stimulus. Yes. And arrives at a conclusion. Right. Based on what its stimulus is, it's not. There's no intu intuition to it. Right. It's just taking that sound. It's taking that sight. It's taking that feeling, and it's generating something for you. And it, you have that that person, the observer, has to decide whether that's real or not. And to add to that, so yes. And then to add to that, there is. You said you know there's no intuition to that right to that process, but there is intuition that comes from the history of doing that over and over again because the intuition then becomes what comes automatically of what you know. So every time an experience happens of you being out of the seat and in the movie, right, you will continue to feel the same way until you put yourself back in the seat and change, right, the movie, essentially, because the intuition then is. If it looks like the duck and it quacks like a duck, even though it might be a camel, yeah, it's got enough of the information that it still is the duck. Right. Right? So people will go back to that until their intuition is challenged, like the capture piece of, yeah, you're not sitting in the seat. So that metaphor is really good is like put yourself back in the seat and look at the movie from out here right. and keep that third, keep that fourth wall up so you're not crossing over into it. You know, right. don't, and be what would... <clears throat> don't be Ferris Bueller and look into the camera and say, is that all? <laughs> yeah, and what we're doing today is that exercise of getting you in the seat in small increments because the more, again, it's reps. The more you do it, the better you get at it, the more you're in the seat. Right, And exactly. you, you can't swim in the mind because the mind will drive you nuts. Right, and, and, and the problem with, so, so there's, I think more and more people are wanting to get out of their mind in that way. The problem is, is that societally we've been really trained to not do that. We're much more impulse-driven, instant gratification. It doesn't yeah. work the first couple tries. Yep. I don't want to do it. And it's, well, it took you, you know, you're 45 years old. It took you 45 years to get where you are. If you're just starting now, it's not going to take you 45 years to get out, but no. you got to give me a year or two to get you out and you got to work it. Right. If you can learn it, if, if you can learn it going in, you can learn it coming out. And now that you're mindful, you didn't do it mindfully going in. It just happened as, you know, happened to you. You were a participant <laughs> in it happening to you and yep. creating, co-creating it. 
versus when you're undoing it to relearn something new, you have control over that. You don't, you know, you didn't have control over it before in the same way that you now have, hey, I don't have to, I don't have to react that way. I don't have to respond that way. I don't have to be in that position. I don't have to be around that person. I can make choices. There's, that's toxicity. This is not like, there's so many pieces that all of a sudden, once you know, at least the basic of the intentional piece of it, wow, it changes your whole perspective and being in the world. This is, uh, this is like the discussion we had off air a couple weeks ago yeah. about pleasure-seeking. Yeah. And basically the mind is seeking pleasure or avoiding pain. Yes. Those are its two functions, right? Yes. Seeking pleasure or avoiding pain. And if that's what you're doing with whatever it is you're doing, you're in the mind. Right. You know, try to rise above it a little bit because, you know, the bigger goal is peace. The bigger goal is, quote-unquote, happiness. And I know everyone rolls their eyes when you say that. But well, happiness and peace isn't pleasure or pain. Right. And, and it's interesting because I – and I did have – I do see a comment there. I haven't had a chance to read it, so. Um, if, yeah. But you can read it, Lou, while I'm talking. But the the happiness piece, um, or or someone saying peace, because people talk this week to me about their why and coming to happiness or peace. Um, what does that mean to each person? It's when you really look at you know the non-cliched version of what is happiness, what is peace. It takes on such a different thing for each person. And that's the, you know, when you say, I'm going to live with intention today. Um, living with intention for happiness, what does that look like for you? You know, and some people say it's my kids being happy and fulfilled. or But then I say, but what is yeah, it for no. you internally? That's the, you know, for other people, external again. What is happiness for you? How do you be happy at the end of the day? If there were no kids and there's no job and there's no what is happy and that takes so much more observing of yeah. oneself to get there and that's part of the practice and i always say oh that's so much fun to try to figure out because you realize you never really think about that and what really makes you at peace you know like this yeah. morning so i have a ritual now i've got a ritual oh nice i'm going to tell you this little ritual and i'm not telling you where i do it but you can see because you're on facebook with me i i have the swan ritual in the past few weeks is that I almost daily go and have, if I've gone for my run, I run past this spot where there's beautiful swans and their babies. Mm -hmm. So I make sure that if I am in that space, I go over and I have a moment yeah. or two and just be present with the beauty of it and how, you know, that fulfills my life. So my intention is to make sure I see the swans and what is it that the swans do? They are a reminder of peace and they're yeah. a reminder of happiness and, and life and and, and then I have a giggle because, man, they're super mean. They're beautiful. <laughs> they are. Man, they're mean. <laughs> they are, and yeah. They, and they hiss at me, and I have a moment in that. You yeah. know, it's, it, there's such, they've, it's morphed for me. And I use that as the example to show the audience that it's just something so simple. You know, in, in the end of the evening, like I came home last night, and I was on a call and doing, you know, and I pulled into the, this parking lot of where they are, and they were there. And I was like, oh, and I ended my call, and I got out, and I went over. And I just sat with them, and and they're used to me now. So it's just that peace. It was only like ten minutes. A little less hissing. But it's just that <laughs> centering yeah. of peace. Well, those are the moments that people love, and this is again why they go to vacation houses, why they have a particular spot on the beach, or right. or where they go, why people watch football, right? Because for three hours, drive themselves crazy. <laughs> well, yes, but for three <laughs> to hours, stimulate to stimulate. For three hours, everything goes away. Right. Everything else that's right. torturing them mm -hmm. during the course of the week that's constantly in the mind goes away. It's an escape from 
that rumination that yes. you know what's going on in your mind and that's my definition of peace is that i at a certain point i specifically sought to get above what my mind was doing to me you know it's like it's just my mind's torturing me all the time i'm either happy or i'm upset or you know it's just rise above that a little right. bit and not be so swayed by it right you know that's that was my definition that was my intent so do you feel so do you feel like you've been able to overcome that and and really largely i still have i still have lapses but well yeah i get into I mean, it now everybody and again will go back to the to what they know in times of yeah. stress defense all those things but in general though you've been able because you practiced it right yeah. so you've been able to really so you're a testament to the fact that with practice and yeah and you have and it, it's really is it would you say it's a ton of work or would you say that if you practice vigilantly over time a little bit at a time it kind of goes into place you know it's kind of interesting about the whole process for me was I can't remember when the flip when the switch actually flipped and, yeah, and it did common. it did there was at a certain point I just realized I was doing it right and I wasn't really I don't remember when it happened right I started learning the concepts started learning the concepts and you take small things here or there and you know you just you have a little win here you have a little win there and all of a sudden you're just doing it automatically yeah you know it just becomes part of what you're doing well, so to the, to your point about, so it, it may be interesting for you, for your own kind of knowledge to think about that today, because it's a practice in, yeah. in mindfulness. But when you said that, it, it struck me as, so back, this will be something new for you probably and for the viewers, um, that uh, back in 2000, <laughs> 2000, yeah. when I was four, yeah. right? When I was four, <laughs> really, yeah. um, I was in New York City and I lived in New York City and I was going to acting school at the New Actors Workshop. And um and I very specifically remember a switch moving over. We were doing, for a good portion of the time I was doing the acting school, we would often do exercises in mindfulness of character and who we were as people ourselves without another character. Oh, I see, yeah. And, and sort of had that, the pieces of the sensory piece and all the other things that we're talking about. And of course, I had this background going anyway of like doing, you know, my doctor thing and all that stuff. And um, and I remember the switch going over in my head and being like, oh, wow, what a difference in the feeling now that I've been practicing this. Yeah. And and really, and it started with some of the senses. One of the One of the instructors said, today I want you all to go out in between the intercession and I want you to spend two hours walking around the streets of New York near the near our school and I just want you to listen to everything you could I it like it was because it's New York City so it was like wow what right. a, you know and then it was go out and do the site and go and I just remember probably after the first two weeks I was there probably around there that switch of wow my whole experience my whole way of seeing things has largely changed because of that and i felt calmer oh yeah it was so much different even in like the performance the whole goal was to get your performance to change yep. um to be able to be more comfortable and shocking would you know that i had a fear of speaking in public really yeah right and i would do it before this and no one would know but i would be yeah. sweating i'd think i would think my face was bright red not yep. the same way as a burn, right? Yep. But and no one would know. Everyone would be like, I do too. But in my <laughs> internal, yeah. I mean, I was I was fight and flight, and I was like, I was going to throw up, and I, you know, and I have no problem sharing that because these kinds of things, you know, here I was, I was going to be actor, and I was going to do all these things. 
<laughs> and I was afraid too. Yeah. You know, as soon as every, it was always, I'd go on stage and it'd be, I don't remember my lines. I'm going to fall. I'm going to, it's going to be yep. terrible. And as soon as I'd get out there, it would roll over. Why? Because I'd practice so much. It would always, but even though I knew that it would always be that fear beforehand. And after I did that mindfulness practice and really stayed the course and really believed in what I was teaching and did the reading and all that, it was like a switch. And all of a sudden my whole experience changed. Yep. And clearly now I don't have a problem speaking <laughs> in public. <laughs> No problem. For me, so, one of the basic exercises that really worked was creating small time periods when I was going to set everything down. Yeah. It's like, I mean, for two hours, I'm going to do this. You right. know, I'm just going to, and you, you do it, you do it substituting things at first, like it might be a football game or, yeah. or it might be video games or it might be anything. Right. You know, go for a walk was, right. was the most popular one. But then at a certain point, you're just deciding, all right, for two hours, I'm not going to worry about that. Right. It'll be there two hours from now. Right. I'll go back for it and then just live in another place. And, and it's just exercising that control, understanding that you have the control and exercising that control and learning how to do it is important. And what do you think the one of the number one things that gets in front of doing that for people? What do you think people say? Um, I haven't got time. There it is. Yeah. You're so smart. <laughs> That's why they pay us the big. <laughs> um, it is. Yeah. They, it's, I don't have time. I don't have time. And... When you look at someone like but you you're sitting to... there at 10 o'clock at night, what else do you have? There's right. nothing you can do about whatever it is you're ruminating about. Right. It'll still be there. There's nothing you can do at this particular moment. Why not say, you know, I'm going to watch an episode of Big Bang Theory and just let it go for a while. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and or people say, oh, I don't have time for five minutes of meditation in the morning. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, really? And I'll and I'll back it down, you know, and I find out, well, what do you do in the morning? And then you find out, you know, I'll use a couple examples that are sort of glommed together that people, you know, they get up, they watch TV, they watch the news, they get ready. They, and I'm thinking, so, okay, so what, it would, what would be the difference if you got up and instead of turning on TV, now I've found this great thing. You can turn on the TV and you can put it onto an on-demand channel for a five-minute meditation that's in the background. And people are like, oh. Yeah. Because it's it fits in the, you know, the person's uniqueness of what they do, and it doesn't take them too far off their course of right. the uncomfortability of oh, I don't want to change my routine. And I said, look, your TV's still on. As soon as it's over, you'll feel like it's accomplished. You're meeting the goal of what we're asking each other here to like participate in getting productive and healthy, and so fitting that moment together of I can actually do that. But it's often on the heels of someone saying. But I don't have time. Yeah. If you have time to sit down and play a video game for three hours. Yeah, you get time. And, and when people are doing that, I always say, yeah, that's stressing you out. <laughs> you know, I mean, parents will send their kids and say, oh, you know, they're not sleeping. Oh, and I find out what the pattern is. And you're, well, there's no, you know, in my head, I go, there's no mindfulness here because right. they're going up till 12, 1 in the morning playing Fortnite or they're doing, you know, World of Warcraft or something that's, you know, really stimulating to the brain. And then you wonder why your child is still up at 2.30 in the morning mm -hmm. and they're 15 or 14. Yep. And, and they, and, you know, and then they're raiding the kitchen, Abby. <laughs> I know she's listening. And then so. people are doing it a lot when they don't even realize it. Like how many right. times have how many times have you driven someplace and then all of a sudden you're there? Right. And you don't remember the process in between right. and it's it's like you were essentially meditating. You you were so associative in what you were doing that yeah, you basically zone out. We call it zoning out, but that's basically 
meditate. It's, it's clearing the mind. Right, because it's getting into a deeper thought or a deeper absence of thought. Right. Right? And there's that blank slate. It's not really it's not really um empty. It's just Yeah. This happens in the shower a lot. Calm. People, right. Yeah. Or on a run. So when you were saying that run. I'm thinking like for yeah. You know, when we're in the zone, I talk about sports psychology concepts in that mm-hmm. way. It's, we talk a lot about mindfulness and being in the zone and how do you do that. Well, some of my best thinking, uh, shower or running yep. out for some kind of long extended run or walk. And wow, what a clearing of, of your mind and concept and ideas because, wow, it just, your mind isn't on the other things because you don't have to have the control over other things at the time. Yeah. So this is a good exercise to start. You do the five, you go through senses and just try to focus on them for a while. Yes. And try to, try to get your hands around the concept that you're not your mind. Right. Because most people, again, and we go back to the basics, it's the difference between saying I am angry and I feel angry. Right. Right. (coughs) Right. Yeah. You feel, you feel angry. You're not angry. Your Your intellect is not angry. It's difference between I think versus I feel. Right. And, a vast majority of people, when I say, how do you feel? I think that, <laughs> you know, fill in the blank. And I yeah. say, no, but how do you feel? And usually, I usually have to explain a feeling word is something that describes how you feel. And then I give like 10 examples, happy, sad, elated, excited, worried. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then they say, what did I say? I said, well, you started the sentence with, I think that I feel. Yep. Right. I think, and, I, and they, oh, and I said, and that's the problem. And it goes to your point just there is, I think always always i use it loosely comes first and it's really because we're we're programmed to go right to thought mm-hmm. our thoughts drive us a lot so right. thought drives our feeling which drives our behavior and that's the premise behind cognitive behavioral therapy you know you you know relating to something contemporary that people are watching now you know noom is the weight loss thing that everyone watches on tv now that's the advertisement for you know lose bajillion pounds in six months with noom noom works and it works great for people that are really good at practicing the thought, feeling, behavior model of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's your behavior changes automatically when your thought changes. Your, mm-hmm. If you can flip a thought around and modify it into something more productive than only negative, it automatically changes the feeling, which will change the behavior. Yep. So you think of it like um, a full circle. If you have a thought that's productive, it will drive a feeling that's more productive, which will change the behavior, which will bring you back up around to a more positive thought again. My clients usually, when you know, most people, I shouldn't just say my clients because it's, it's people, and you see this in your friends, your family, whatever, they go from negative, self-degrading, self-defeating, whatever, mm-hmm. negative thought, which is the crappy poopy feeling, yeah, <laughs> of whatever it is, yep. you know, angry, resentful, hated, you know, all those things, to the behavior that... You know, sedentary, uh, here's a new word, sedentaryism, isolation, no exercise, unmotivated, apathy, nothing, nothing, nothing. Now, you're supposed to come back up around, but you don't because when you're in the negative pattern of that circle, what you do is you come down to the behavior and the behavior is so deeply toxic and rooted, it bounces you back to the negative thought and passes you right back up. So you never complete the full circle to be healthy. You just complete a, a, a half circle of yuck. Yeah, the behavior like creates term, yeah, half yuck. circle of yuck. The behavior creates more negative emotion. Right, right. So it's it's a pendulum swing yep. instead of a full circle swing. So it's about taking the same set of circumstances because uh, um, feelings, emotions are the sum of a set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. So it's about taking the same circumstances and creating different emotions out of it. Right. So it's right. it's modifying. not being the emotion, 
understanding that the emotion exists and dealing with it or, right. or changing what the or emotion is. Or what the is. relationship is between the, the thought that's being generated to what the feeling is because they talk to each other. Yep. Right. So, so if we just think brain, your thought, so your thought process, you know, you're thinking executively in your frontal lobe and it's making your impulse decisions. It's making non, you know, organization, executive functioning, writing, reading, speaking, all that. And then you add in now the feeling that center, that limbic emotional center that's they talk back and forth. Right. And if they have enough experience that's negative, their, their automatic is to go to something negative behaviorally. It's not overeating undereating, gambling, drinking, um, excessive exercise, no exercise, uh, whatever. those two talk and decide on the behavior that's going to be set. So in order to get that to get better, those two pieces have to talk better to each other. So someone like me, I help people identify what the thoughts are that are in the way to get to the feeling that will right. drive back and forth so they talk better to each other visually. It's about being in control. Well, usually when I I usually draw this all out for clients, so I'm in my head doing that (laughs) out here in the world, right, with my hands. So Um, back to what we talked about earlier is that understanding you have more control over your outcomes than you believe you do. Exactly. And people believe that they don't have the control because they bought into that cycle so much of the pendulum back and forth swing that that's what they know. Right. And when you ask them to go further to make it come around – it's difficult, especially the first few times, because they don't believe in it. And it's, I'd rather dance with the devil I know than the devil I don't. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And th- that's when you point out, like, yeah, but if you could dance with something different, wouldn't you? And you have to show them proof. So you have to walk them through. You have to be able to say, listen, if we try this, it might work. And you might, you'll still go to your default if you get scared or afraid or whatever. But once you have that experience of it coming up and around a couple of times, it's so freeing for people, and it puts a person right into that present, being present in, mo- in the moment, and having mindfulness, and being, you know, meditative in a way for the first time, because it's a positive, productive experience, and I tend to stay away from positive, because unless I'm describing a behavior, because it's really about being productive. Your thoughts and your feelings are either going to be non-productive or productive, and so if your list is that most of the time you're non-productive yeah. and you have limited productive thought, there's the shift. So we get all those moving and shifting so that we can get that swing going. You know, did we need to answer anything? Because I see lots of comments and I haven't had a chance to oh, look. No, I gotta, so I got to check. I got to refresh then. Yeah, I just, so I'm, I'm looking at lots of comments. I do appreciate it. I'm actually, so the people that don't know me well, I have to wear, I have to wear glasses to see that small writing on my screen. I probably should bring (laughs) it closer to me and I never remember to do that. Um, so I appreciate them all. I will certainly answer them all later today, um, and get back to you because, uh, I haven't had a chance to go through them, but I appreciate them and I will certainly. So, um. The intent of uh, focusing on the senses is a good one. It's a nice exercise. It gets us into some of the staples that we need to accomplish this journey. Um, what about the global intent? What about the which? What about the global intent, the larger intent, So outside of daily intent? So, th- so that would go back to what we were talking about last week, is, yeah. is, is living you know, with purpose. You know, what is my purpose today? What is my purpose in general? You know, that shifts. It's like asking someone to, you know, what's your five-year plan? So you can have a five-year plan, but it might shift, but. Yeah. 
And it will shift. And it will shift because it's likely that it will shift. So you can have your daily, weekly purpose, goal, meditation, and at the same time, have a five-year plan knowing that that's what you want, but it might shift and it might shift. And you can use that. There's a button that because sometimes it doesn't shift, but a lot of times it will knowing that. So you can have that out there saying my purpose is to um, make sure that I bring as much health to people. Like my grand purpose in my business is bring as much health information I can to people in the best way possible globally. Yep. Right. But on a day to day for me personally, it's to still do that within my smaller community and make sure that I'm at peace and I have time for myself and I'm taking care of myself mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And, and without that, I'm not able to do the other. So it's that, yeah. for, that's an example for me. So for, for you know, uh, if I think of you know, some, some clients, um, their goal is to make money I often back people away from the goal of purpose in life is to make money because it goes back to the, that's not your why, yep. that's your what and how. I'm going to make money. Okay, you're going to do something to do that. But why are you doing it? Well, because I want to be happy. Oh, now we, you're right. So yep. now it's what a, you have to divert around that, you know, money doesn't make people happy. You think it's going to make you happy and it certainly does in certain circumstances. But at the end of the day, if you have no money, how do you still have happiness? So it's a lot of reworking so that you have a global, you know, what does money mean to you? Well, money means success. What does success mean to you? Well, success means that I'm not going to be hungry. I'm not going to go without vacation. I'm going to have, you know, now we're getting closer to what the actual global purpose is, which then you can individualize. So you have to back, you know, external back into the internal for the person taking it from i want to make money so that i can have happiness i mean loosely translated yeah. so or as I, I used to present it to my kids i'd tell them all the time is i don't want you to chase money but i will tell you that money is options right you know money right. gives you options some freedom the ability to make better better and decisions that you're going to like more right and I think that there's, I mean, there's... It's a really, means to an end. It's there's not, some really great leadership yeah. concepts in money equaling freedom. So at the global level of, of, a, of a purpose, intention, um, freedom. Yeah. Like, I want freedom. Freedom to do what I want. Freedom to do, go where I want. Freedom to make decisions without uh, restriction. You know, for what, what will get me there? Money. Yeah. And when you shift it, people are like, oh. Yeah. So if you're internalizing, I want freedom, and you know that I wake up tomorrow morning and I say, okay, I'm going to meditate for five minutes on, I'm looking towards freedom today. What can I do to make me feel free today? Keeping that mindful, the likelihood is because your intention is in that drive, the things that you'll do in the day will drive you towards yes. that end goal, towards the money because you don't have to think I got to make money. I got to make money. I got that just yep. keeps you out here, but if you say my goal is freedom and and you have the choice between going out four nights a week for $400 versus one night a week and saving the money and doing the things that are mindful to the freedom that you want because in yep. 5 years you want to be able to travel the world and take 2 months off. Yeah. 
you're going to be like, yeah, I'm not going to go out tonight, but you know, you guys are coming over. Yeah, like you'll make this decisions is, based on the yeah. intent of I want freedom. This is the basis of thoughts become things. Yes. And this is why it's important to have an intent because all of the million little decisions you get to make during the course of a day right. tend to move towards whatever your intent is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Negative or positive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And you're you're going to, you're going to, you know, it's back to the secret, which I never bought as from the metaphysical standpoint. Right. But I think it's a great, I think it's a great study in human nature. Right. Whatever it is you think about predominantly, you're going to bring into being because that's your power as a person. Right. You, all the decisions you make, all the choices you make, all the steps you take tend to be head towards where you're thinking. And well, and so, you know, you bring up the secret and the, and I think we talked about this months yeah. ago about Eckhart Tolle is, you know, you know, the here and now being present, you know, and, and really... Um, it's the same concept of, you know, having that, you know, metaphysical awareness of you are, you are what you are in the moment and yeah. not to live beyond the moment and, and really accept the moment. And, you know, people love, I mean, that book is amazing and all of his books are really good, but they're very deep and they speak to this concept and to the concept of the secret. I think the secret, I always think of it as like Eckhart Tolle light because it's yeah. easier to read. Yeah. Um, but it's the same or I shouldn't say the same. It's similar in flair of understanding how the mind would work in a way that would be in your directional uh, co-creation of your future. Yeah, well, your, yeah. your destiny. They get they get a little off, you know, with leveraging the universe and all that stuff. Right. Basically, it's right. leveraging your life. It's right. what you think about. Right. You're going to make small decisions along the way. They're going to take you there. Right. Again, positive and negative. Right. And, if your and, predominant and, thought is I'm not worth it. That's where you can end up. That's exact right. Yeah. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. people. Yep. And and I, I and that's a common thing, like in psychology, that you, people say, why do I why do I keep ending up with the same type of people? Yep. There it yep. is. I mean, in in addition to you know, you were taught that this is what you knew. This is you know patterns of behavior that you have in your head. You know the intention that you had that yep. was shown. All those things, and then you throw that in, right? But if you live in the here and the now in the present, it changes things. And people, you know, people in past-oriented, future-oriented. If yeah. you're always living in the past, the overthought and the overworry and the overthinking of the past and trying to change it and go back and undo trauma yep. versus future, which is what-ifs, 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 these two both make toxicity at the at the extreme ends right the closer into you get to the middle to being today and present and here intention mindfulness going after what you really want you'll get right it's right there on the point moving you forward it's and it's an amazing change of experience from coming from those outer edges yeah bringing it in the more you're here the further you are from the pain of the past and the further you are from the fears of the future right yeah right yeah. but if it and predictably you know you can see if people are in the pain of the past and they're worried about that future, you always can be pretty sure. I'm very spit. Always can be pretty sure the negative path that's coming. Yeah. Well, I, the example that people that I give to people all the time that I think it's, you're talking about, you go into a, a interview, job interview. Yeah. And all you're thinking is, I don't want to blow this job interview. Right. I don't want to blow this job interview. And what you end up doing is blowing the job, job interview. interview. People understand that concept. Right. They don't understand it works on the positive end, too. Right. They, they right. don't understand the power. And 
positive power of positive now. thinking. Yeah, the power of now, the positive thinking. People roll their eyes. But they don't understand the concept is just as strong, if not stronger, on the positive side right. than it is on the negative side. Which goes to what I was saying, is that the power of now, mm-hmm. being present in the moment, is exactly the same thing as the power of now of being in your negative. So yeah. it's not about being positive. It's about being productive. Be in the posi- being the productive of now, if you go in saying this is going to be a great interview because I'm only going to just be me. That's what I tell people. Like, just go with what you know. If you're going into an interview, go with what you know, you, you're going to give them exactly who you are. Don't try to give them anything extra answer. Honestly, if you don't know something, you don't know something, be honest, you present. And that's a foreign concept. It's really because people feel the necessity to be bigger than they are. Else they won't be accepted and relevant. That's what we'll talk about next week is about being relevant, yep. right? Let's be relevant. You can't blow so. being you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Go into and you can be you. That's, exactly. that's the thing you do best. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and, and when you're not happy with you, then it's hard to do your best because yep. yep. you already believe that you're underselling. So anyway, on that note, we'll yep. talk about being relevant next week because we're all relevant. There's cliche, but Intention, we are all relevant. And we are our, relevant. And, yeah. and we have to find our relevance. But um, everyone, go out and be mindful in your practice. Try to find, you know, one one sense a day and start your practice a little bit at a time. And I will see you all next week. Have a great day. Your Daily Game Face every Wednesday, 945, 1045-ish. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lou, have a great week. Bye. Bye.